somebody praise the Lord. Somebody praise the Lord. Somebody praise the Lord. Wow. Did he say dud? <laughs> Boy, y'all y'all sound like y'all haven't skipped a beat. But oh, aren't you glad to be in the Father's house? Woo! Glory to God. Man. I feel so much better. You know the best people in the whole world go to church on Sunday mornings. Thank the Lord for that. Well, everybody I come in contact with, they say, how you doing? And I say, I've had enough of this. <laughs> this is my, um, well, this week at the tent revival where Brother Ronnie and his church, Faith Cowboy Church, uh, it was my first time to preach to a live audience in a tent. I mean, I mean, a live audience in a tent uh, in in eight weeks. Uh, I preached a lot of tent revivals, but it had been my first time to preach to a live audience in a tent. And uh, and so today is my first service to preach in the church, physical church, in eight weeks. So y'all are in trouble. So, that's right. Was I the first evangelist in the other building? And that was how long ago? I like that. I'm giving you part of my offering today. <laughs> thank you. Matter of fact, by the way, thank you so much. And uh, I know uh, all of you um, caught up for me for the last eight weeks. We've been, we've been, uh, I've been out. Of course, I've been what I'm, what I'm talking about when I said that the first time I had preached in eight weeks to a live audience. I've been on about five or six. Uh, church um, videos and and uh, Facebook stuff like that, but uh, but this is my first in eight weeks to preach to a live audience in the Father's house, and so that means this. What that means is that I feel like a uh, a shook up uh, um, uh, Dr Pepper bottle. <laughs> so I'm gonna I, I, I'm not gonna pour it all on you today, okay? But um, so glad I, I can't think of a better church, a more powerful church, to come back and preach to a live audience to than Abundant Life. And praise the Lord for that. And this is a good looking crowd here today, Pastor Rick. And um, I know you've been having outside uh, uh, church, and praise the Lord for that. And um, but uh, I'm, I'm ready to get back to, um, well, I'm not going to say what I want to say. I'm going to say something else. I, <laughs> I'm, I'm glad to be able to come back to the house of God. And, uh, I'm, I, and I believe what, by what I'm feeling here and experiencing in this atmosphere today that all of us are glad to be in the Father's house. There's something about it, isn't it? There's something about gathering in the name of Jesus in the Father's house. I know, I know we can have church anywhere, and we do. Uh, and, uh, and uh, I, you know, when, when we began to be in quarantine, as they called it, uh, I, I guess I semi was in quarantine, but uh, back in Houston. But uh, what I thought was, I would hope, I prayed and hoped, 
that the church, though we had to be in quarantine, but that the church would be in quarantine and rebuilding back their altars in our homes. And so, and uh, it's, 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 it looks like many of you have done that. And uh, people that have a prayer altar, uh, they know how to have church. And uh, we, we've had church already today. And also to hear from God. Thank the Lord. So I've got a, I got a five-day message here today that I have to, I need to do it in uh, two services. But uh, I appreciate your shepherd today. How many appreciate Brother and Sister Hensley today? Wow. He doesn't know it, but I'm going to have him come down and do one of my conferences. And I know he is not a dud. <laughs> Thank you so much for your giving and helping us continue to be on the field. And uh, you've invested into this ministry to help us continue to be missionaries to America. And uh, for sure, if America... Uh, needs Jesus more today than ever, and we thank you for helping us. I'll be off for the next two weeks again, but uh, I'll, my next assignment for revival will be in Houston, and so you've helped us get back to Houston, and we thank you for that uh, so very much. The Lord will bless you. All right. How many got your Bibles with you? Amen. Go with me uh, this morning, if you would, please. Real quickly to the book of First Chronicles chapter 12, verse number 32. Uh, and believe it or not, I have uh, I've been preaching out of this verse for quite some time, the last few years. In fact, my conference that I was talking about, Brother Hensley coming to preach for me, uh, that's our theme, that's our theme verse that I'm fixing to read to you, and I have preached from this before in this church, in Abundant Life. Um, but there, there are two powerful points of interest in this verse. Uh, if you need a title to my message this morning and tonight, I want to talk to you, and you might want to get out some pen and paper, like to write these down or, or put it in your messages in your cell phone. Uh, I want to talk to you about the ten signs of the closing days of grace in America. Uh, I first preached this message back last November in my conference, the Signs of the Times conference that I that is sponsored by my department in the South Texas District. Uh, I first preached this message in November, and of course I had a lot of preachers there, but I, I don't think I've ever had uh, so many preachers. Uh, normally they don't, they don't tell me that I need to preach a message again, but I had so many preachers and pastors that told me that, Brother Rod, you have got to preach this message across America. So uh, God had given me this back in November and it has been an up-to-date gospel for an up-to-date church. And I, I, want to, uh, I want to try to mention these this morning. I won't get to all 10. Uh, I'll get, I'm gonna try to get to five of them, okay? Uh, and then the rest tonight. But I want to talk to you about the 10 signs of the closing days of grace in America. Now, some of these signs uh, have been fulfilled uh, in other parts of the world. Some of these signs are in the process of being fulfilled in other parts of the world, uh, including America. And so I want to mention these signs for two reasons. I want this message today to strengthen the church, to strengthen believers in the Lord Jesus Christ, and I'm going to talk about this a little later, but I, I want this message to encourage us and to propel us into resetting our relationship 
a closer walk with the Lord Jesus Christ. And then I want the other reason of this message, I want the other result of this message to if there are those in the midst, the sounds of my voice today, right here today, I want those that maybe you have drifted in the perimeter relationship with the Lord and perhaps maybe you're here today and you've stumbled into this place and you don't even know the Lord Jesus Christ is about to come back, but that you would run after him and know him personally in your life today. So I don't want, I don't want this message to be a message of condemnation. I want this message to be a message that will help us all to draw closer and to be eligible for the rapture of the church. Go with me to 1 Chronicles 12, 32. And of the children of Ishkar, which were men that had understanding of the times to know what Israel ought to do. The two powerful points of interest here in this verse is the first one is that they were men, they were people of God, they understood their times, they understood their surroundings, they understood the signs of the times that were taking place. And then the other powerful point of interest in this verse is what, what Israel ought to do. What we, as the church, and, and I want to parallel that with the church, uh, though, though we are in a crisis today, uh, I, I hesitated at the beginning of this crisis of, uh, uh, to see if, if men of God and people of God uh, would even call it a pestilent or a famine that has taken place. And, and now we're hearing this that uh, others that have said that this, what we're facing in the United States of America uh, it, it has become a very much a crisis uh, and a famine. Uh, and really we are facing one of the signs that are taking place that, that tells us today that the coming of the Lord is about to take place. The coming of the Lord is about to take place. So go with me to Matthew 24 real quickly. I won't read the whole chapter. I'd love to read the whole chapter. But many of the signs that Jesus is mentioning in this chapter is going to be fulfilled in the seven-year tribulation. Let me begin reading verse number one, Matthew uh, chapter 24. And Jesus went out and departed from the temple and his disciples came to him for to show him the buildings of the temple. You know, one, something that I always appreciated about the disciples is that uh, they had something inside of them. They always wanted to be where Jesus was. Can I just tell you this? That, 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 that Jesus is always in this building. <laughs> that ought to give us a greater desire to come to church, to be faithful to church, for to show him the buildings of the temple. And Jesus said unto them, See ye not all these things? Verily I say unto you, There shall not be left here one stone upon another that shall not be thrown down. Now this was Jesus speaking. Those words right there were Jesus. And as he sat upon the Mount of Olives, the disciples came unto him privately. You know, if you have a question in your life concerning life or concerning things of life or concerning yourself or about God, go to church. Come to church and hear the word. If you got a question, if you've walked into this building with some questions, I'll guarantee you God will answer those questions and it'll be through his word. But these are three important questions. And that if I would ask for raised hands, most of us will say, uh, how many have asked these questions? And, and after I, I tell them to you, we'll all probably say, I've asked those same questions. I remember when Kathy and I first got saved, uh, we had some questions. And, 
because we began to be informed. We began to be taught God's word, and, and, and we had a lot of questions, and especially when our pastor would, would preach about the coming of the Lord. I never knew about the coming of the Lord. I, in fact, I didn't even know Jesus until I got saved. I didn't know you had to be saved to go to heaven. And, and, but they began to preach and they began to teach us about that the Lord is coming back and, and that we need to be ready for the coming of the Lord. And, and I had a, a lot of other questions, but, but listen to these questions and you'll probably say amen to this, but here's one of them. Tell us, when shall these things be? And what shall be the sign of, of thy coming. You see, even the disciples believed that Jesus was going to die on a cross, be resurrected on the third day, go away to the Father, and was going to come back. And what shall be the sign of thy coming and of the end of the world? How many have ever asked that question? Have you ever wondered, when is this all going to finish? And, and through, this, through this whole pandemic, through all of this, I'm sure we've all come to realize and understand the prayers of John on the Isle of Patmos. And let me remind us of something. John's not on Paradise Island. John is not on a cruise line island, a, 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 a vacation John's on an island of Patmos with society's rejects and, 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 and his, uh, his room and board was not very luxurious. It was not very uh, demanding or wanting. He's with society's rejects. And, and so now we can understand his prayer when he said, even so come, Lord Jesus. I don't know about you, but I've been praying that through all this. Even so, come, Lord Jesus. And Jesus answered and said unto them, I want you to watch. I want you to see the first answer that Jesus gives. I want you to see the first sign that Jesus gives. He said, take heed that no man deceive you. We're now living in an age of deception like never before. We're now living in an age of society. Men constantly, every time we turn the television on, every time we try to find true news, fake news is deceiving America today. For many shall come, yes, the church for sure, for many shall come in my name, saying, I am Christ and shall deceive many. And ye shall hear of wars and rumors of wars. We can say amen to that. See that you be not troubled, for all these things must come to pass, but the end is not yet. For nations shall rise against nation. We see that. And kingdom against kingdom. And there shall be famines and pestilences and earthquakes in divers places. I don't know if you remember this, at the first of the year in January of this year, there seemed to have been an abundance of uh, strong earthquakes in our world. I was in Odessa, Texas in Pastor Paul Thompson's office and I got curious about uh, how many earthquakes had, had taken place just in the last seven days, so I Googled it. And, and it gave me the answer that had been in just seven days, over 100 earthquakes had taken place. Six out of the top 10 earthquakes had taken place in Alaska. And the, uh, most of the other earthquakes had been taking place in Turkey. So, so this is being fulfilled right before our eyes. He said, kingdom, and there shall be famines and pestilences and earthquakes in diverse places. Watch this now. Here's another key verse. All these are the beginning of sorrows. Let me, for time, let me skip down to verse 11. Many false prophets shall rise and shall deceive many. 
That's what Pastor Rick was talking about a while ago, how we have too many ministers in the last few years have ministered another Jesus in another spirit and has even created another gospel, which Paul said there is no other gospel than the gospel of Jesus Christ. That gospel of Jesus Christ is talking about the blood of the lamb today. And because iniquity shall abound, the love of many shall wax cold. But he that shall endure unto the end, the same shall be saved. And this gospel of the kingdom shall be preached in all the world for a witness unto all nations, and then shall the end come. Let me give you an alarming, let me give you an alarming uh, opinion today. I personally believe every nation has heard the gospel of Jesus Christ. And so if, you're, if you would want to believe that, well, not every nation has, uh, has heard the gospel, therefore uh, Jesus is going to tarry coming back for his church. My friend, the rapture of the church could happen right now. It could happen before we ever get back to our automobiles. And then I want to skip down to verse 36. But of the day and hour knoweth no man, no, not the angels of heaven, but my Father only. But as in the days of Noah were, so shall also the coming of the Son of Man be. For as in the days that were before the flood, they were eating and drinking and marrying. That is not condemning anybody for doing that. What it is talking about is that things will be normal. Things will be average. It'll be just like any day. And giving in marriage until the day that Noah entered into the ark and knew not until the flood came and took them all away, so shall also the coming of the Son of Man be. Lift your hands, lift your voices, ask God to speak to you personally right now. Father, thank you for this time. Thank you that we have been able to, the political privilege to be in your house. In the next few moments, God, would you speak to us? Would you revive us again? Would you reset our positions in Christ today? Let there be a new name written in the Lamb's Book of Life. Anoint these lips of clay, God, and we ask you this in Jesus' powerful name. And everybody said, amen. The first sign that I want to talk to you about real quickly this morning that I never thought would happen in America. The first one is when Jesus' name would become profane. What that word means is this. I never thought that the majority of America would abuse or irreverence or cheapen or disrespect or demean or degrade or disregard the word of God. You know, the word of God was written by Jesus himself. In fact, we preach about he is the bread of life. Aren't you glad we can come and taste and see that the Lord is still good in his house today? I don't know if I told you this before, but it was last year at the beginning of the years when I began to detect uh, and I began to discern something after 43 years of being an evangelist, I began to notice even in supposed to be so-called Pentecostal churches that it seems like everybody thought or thinks that they were Christians. And it became very difficult for me as an evangelist, and I want you to listen to my words here today, but it became very dis difficult for me as an evangelist to still convince America that she was still in need of a savior, Jesus Christ, and not just a religion in their lives. Too many pulpits in America I believe in the last generation have sowed a Christless gospel into the last generation. But I want you to know tonight, today, I want you to know today that there is still power in the name of Jesus. Come on, somebody say hallelujah to the Lamb of God. There is still power in the name of Jesus Christ. There's still something about that name. There's still something about being equated to, to that name. There's something about being adopted into the kingdom of God and having authority in the name that's above all names. 
I want you to know something. Salvation has a name, but it's in the name of Jesus Christ. Miracles has a name, but miracles has a name, and the name is still Jesus Christ. He is still a miracle-making God that's in the house today. Redemption has a name, and redemption's name is Jesus. Somebody say it with me. And redemption's name is Jesus. I want you to know grace has a name and grace's name is still in Jesus. Salvation has a name and it's in the blood of the lamb which is Jesus. Somebody give me, somebody just praise him right now. I told you I'm gonna be like a bottled up Dr. Pepper. I want you to know this word, this word is still alive and well. And I want you to know Jesus Christ is still in every book in your Bible today. Oh, I know, I know I, you want me to name them. I'll, I'll name them right now. Jesus is in the book of Genesis. He is still the seed of the woman. He's in Exodus. He is still the sacrificial lamb. In Leviticus, he is the fire on the altar. In Numbers, he's a cloud by day and a fire by night. In Deuteronomy, he's still the prophet like Moses. In Joshua, he's the captain of our salvation. In Judges, he's the judge and lawgiver. In Ruth, he's a kinsman redeemer. In Samuel, he's a trusted prophet. In in Kings, he's the ever reigning king. In in, in the book of Chronicles, uh, he's the answer to prayer. In Ezra, he's a faithful scribe. In Nehemiah, he's the rebuilder of our broken down walls. In Esther, he's our Mordecai. In Job, he's our redeemer. In Psalms, uh, he's the Lord, our shepherd. In Proverbs, he's still the friend that sticketh closer than a brother. In Ecclesiastes, he's the wellsprings of wisdom. In Solomon, He's our lover. He's our bride. He's our groom. And Isaiah, he's the bright and morning star. He's the lily of the valley. In Jeremiah, he's the balm of Gilead. In Levitation, he's a weeping prophet. Ezekiel, he's the wheel in the whittle of the wheel. And Daniel, he's the fourth man in a fiery furnace. And Hosea, he is an eternal husband. And Joel, he's a prophet of Pentecost. And Amos, he's our burden barrier. And Obadiah, he's our savior. And Joel, he is our foreign missionary. Would somebody breathe, praise his holy name right now? In Micah, he's the messenger with beautiful feet. He's Nahum, he's avenger. In Habakkuk, he's an evangelist pleading for a Holy Ghost revival in the United States of America. In Zebaniah, he's the Lord God mighty to save. Hey, yeah, he restores the lost heritage. In Zechariah, he's a fountain. In Malachi, he's the son of righteousness. In Matthew, he is the great Messiah. In Mark, he's a conquering servant. In Luke, he's a great physician. In John, he is the Lamb of God who take away the sins of the world. Somebody give him praise. In Acts, he is a Holy Ghost baptizer. In Romans, he's our justifier. Corinthians, he's our sanctifier. Galatians, he's our redeemer. In Ephesians, he's the God of unsearchable riches. In Philippians, he is the God who shall supply all of your needs according to his riches in glory. In Colossians, he's the fullness of the Godhead. In Thessalonians, yes, he is still our soon coming king. In Timothy, he's a mediator between God and man. In Titus, he's a faithful pastor. In Philemon, He's the friend of the oppressed. In Hebrews, he's the great high priest who makes intercessory prayer for us in a time of need and in trouble. Somebody praise him right now. James, he heals the sick. First and second Peter, he's the chief shepherd. One, two, and three, John, he is heaven's valentine. In Jude, he's the Lord that is coming. And in Revelation, he is the alpha, he is the omega, he is the first, he is the last, and he will come one day for his church. Somebody give him praise. I'm going to have to wear a different suit tonight. I'm wet. 
because I done set you up on this next one. Because the second sign that I'm seeing happening in America when the Bible would become marginalized. Makes me mad what I'm thinking. What does that mean, Brother Rod? It means this, that the word of God to most people in America, it's become powerless. It's a mockery now. It's become unimportant. It's been compromised. It's been tailor-made to the lust of the flesh and lust of the eye and the pride of life. Now, when I first saw this, when I first got this, this word marginalized, I looked it up. Because after all, that is a big word, you know. $100 word coming out of a 50-cent mouth. I looked it up. Now, my dictionary gives me the definition of words, and then it also mentions every once in a while, most of the time, when it was first used. And most of the words, Brother Rick, were first used in the 1500s and the 1800s and so forth. But this word marginalized in my dictionary, it said it was first used in 1968. I thought, wow, I was alive. I, I don't remember using that word. I mean, you know, I'm Cajun. <laughs> I understand Boudreaux, Babineau, Fontenot, Thibodeau, Fadodo, and Mardi Gras. So uh, I thought it was first used in 1968. Well, I was born in 1953. If you're trying to figure it out right now, yes, sir, I am a bona fide 100% senior citizen in the United States of America. And I did enjoy that stimulus. Since I hadn't been paid in nine weeks, I mean, it really looked good to me. That was during 1968, and the first thing that you're going to have to, I'm working on sanctification, Brother Rick. I really am. I've done real good, I think. But the first thing that I thought about that word marginalized in 1968, 69, 70, 71, 72, 73. First thing I thought about, it was the time of Woodstock. <laughs> I wish I had a mirror behind me now. Y'all the way some of y'all, I wish y'all could see how y'all looking right now. I started to ask how many remember Woodstock, but I'd have to have an altar call for line. I preached for Sister Karen Rary in Ohio. First time I was with her, I don't know how we got on the subject, but she was a flower child. And she said, Brother Rod, you're going to have to forgive me, but me and my little girlfriend, we went all the way up to New York, went to Woodstock. I said, did you get saved? She said, no, we didn't get saved. We're a bunch of heathens, she said. No, she's saved now, full of the Holy Ghost. I got to thinking about that. I look back now, didn't know we were, but we were quite rebellious. Really, every generation's had a group of rebellious people. So I got to thinking it was the flower child era, the hippie era. It was a spirit of rebellion. And then uh, these songs began to pop into my spirit. Now, you're going to have to pray for me now. Like, like, like this one. What's love got to do with it? Got to do with it? 
And if I ever hear that song now, I scream back. At, I think it was Tina Turner. I scream back and say, it's got a lot to do with it. Or you'd still been married. Here's, a, here's another one. All you need is love, love. I tried that with American Express, and it didn't work. They say our love can't pay the rent. That's Sonny and Cher. Then God led me to Hosea 4, where it said my people are destroyed for a lack of knowledge. Tonight, today, You have a platform. You have a political party who last October voted on a resolution to degrade, downplay, and flat rebel against Christian values. You want to pray who to vote for in November? You need to pray and you need to vote Bible. <laughs> this party shouted when they voted God off their platform. They denounced the Bible, and when you denounce the Bible, you have denounced Jesus Christ. Because I just told you, Jesus is in every book. John 1 says, in the beginning, was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the, God, and the Word was God. I want you to know this Bible is the blueprint documentation for life and life more abundantly. The third sign, I got to hurry. When the church would become irrelevant, the church would become irrelevant in America to where now it seems to me that church is now become obsolete, no benefit, lost the value of the church, non-essential, forsaking the assembling of ourselves together. I love the church. I love being in church. I love having church. Why do I love the church, Brother Rod? It was in the church is where I got saved. It was in the church when I changed my destiny. It was in the church when I changed my direction. It was in the church where he saved and set me free. It was in the church where he's touched my life personally. It was in the church when he touched my marriage. It was in the church that he touched my children. It was in the church that he touched my grandchildren. Why would you not want to go to church? It was in the church I've been healed. It was in the church I have had miracles take place. See, there's a lot of reasons why you need to come to this church. But let me just throw three of them at you real quickly. Because in this church, you will be educated. And I'm not talking about just in academia. I am talking about being educated about life. I'm talking about being educated about eternity. I'm talking about being educated about hell. About being educated about heaven. Uh, being educated about biology. Being educated about animals. Being educated about health. Being educated about being healed. Being educated thoroughly in the Father's house. In this church. Because this church, this pulpit, 
does not preach out of Reader's Digest. It is preached out of the eternal word of God. In this church, you'll be edified. What does that mean? Because Paul said that we, this is a Pentecostal church. Because in this church, Paul said that when you speak in tongues, it edifies your soul. What, what does that mean? Well, what that means is this. It helps us to crucify the flesh. And when we crucify the flesh, that's when Jesus is lifted up. And Jesus said this, that if I be lifted up, I'll draw all men unto you. What, I, what are you saying, Brother Rod? When you pray in that heavenly language, it helps us to crucify the flesh in order to receive the anointing of the Holy Ghost. Thirdly, it will equip you. Oh, yeah. See, I look across this congregation, and I don't, have to ha I don't have to know you personally, but there's great talent in this church. There's great academia in this church. There's great education in this church. There's great good looks in this church. But I want to tell you something. We can't do this without the anointing of the Holy Ghost. It will be a supernatural power that will help you overcome a supernatural power from the gates of hell tomorrow. The church has become so irrelevant that it's become irrelevant to some people that even try to be a part of the church. Because we got a problem. When 80% of the American church no longer has church on Sunday nights, we got a problem. And we're reaping it now. When 50% of our churches, uh, of the American church, no longer has a midweek service, when 80%, and it's probably more now, 80% of the American church no longer knows about revival, no longer has a desire for a Holy Ghost revival. And now we're down to less than 50% of the churches that have a prayer meeting. Hurry. Fourth one. When marriages would become obsolete. It may get quiet on this one. There's two issues of life in Genesis chapter 1, verse 24 through 31 that violates God's plan, God's will, and violates the family. Two issues. The first one is homosexuality. The second one and let me say this before I say this one. We are so glad today that we serve a God of grace. We serve a God of forgiveness. We serve a God of mercy. Aren't you glad of that? Because he let us in. And the second issue the second sin that God is yet to judge and will is abortion. And I'm not just going to tell you that. I'm going to prove to you why the church does not believe in abortion. I'm going to prove to you in a few moments why conservatives do not believe in abortion. I'm, I'm going to prove to you why the Republican Party does not believe in abortion. Are you ready? According to Real News National Medical Society and not fake news, 18 days after conception, a little baby has a heartbeat. 42 days after conception, that little baby has brain waves and it's detected. 52 days after conception, a little baby has hiccups and begins to yawn. That, my friend, is a human being. 
Eight weeks after conception, the little baby has air organs that begin to function. Nine weeks after conception, the little baby has fingerprints. Ten weeks after conception, the little baby has pain. And you had a former president who okayed and voted the murder of babies at nine months. And you've got a governor in Virginia who is murdering babies. It's murder. It's murder. And 12 weeks after conception, that little baby can smile. Tour now, if the musicians would come. Tour now, the homosexual community, which has been working on making the altered lifestyle as normal for some 50 years at least, is now bragging about homosexual gay marriages are lasting longer than heterosexual marriages. And to where now in some states, which are liberal states, have infiltrated with false doctrines and are now teaching our little sons and daughters that it's normal. My friends, today, we are as the days of Noah. And we need to realize that God wants us to reset some things. Holy Ghost gave me this in my hotel room just now, and I want to transfer it to you today. Reputation is what people think you are, but character is what you are and God knows you are. God, I believe, is still more concerned about the inward man in this church. Too many 21st century churches are concerned about the cosmetics of the skin rather than the makeup of our souls. And I've always said this in this church, thank God this is a church people of the Spirit. We understand the Holy Spirit. We desire the Holy Spirit. We want the Holy Spirit. God is more concerned with your inward character than your charismatic charisma. Because if your character is right with God, then your reputation will be anointed. So what builds character in your church in you? What builds that character? The true word infiltrates your spirit. When the true word is preached in this pulpit, it infiltrates into your spirit and your soul and the vessels shine with the anointing outside the walls of this church. Your anointing is only as powerful as the word of God is inside of you. I want to say that again. Your anointing is only as powerful as the word of God is inside of you. Your anointing is determined by the reading or hearing of God's word. So the more you read it, the more you read the Bible, the greater the anointing outside the walls of this church. So your pastor, Pastor Rick, your shepherd, showcases the five gifts in this desk of God because of the word or the doctrines he, he believes in. We network together for the construction of the body of Christ. Let's position ourselves to reset our lives to draw closer to the Lord Jesus Christ. And I believe this is happening.
Everything you can think of right now is being reset. We need to reset our walk with Jesus. We need to reset true gospel. We need to reset true doctrines, true Pentecost. Right here today, reset the Holy Ghost in your life. Reset our standards, our values, our character, our holiness. Let's reset our faithfulness to the house of God. Let's reset every, as a Christian leader, let's reset our lives. As preachers, we're resetting. We're letting God have a fruit inspection on all of our lives right now. Let's reset every man in this church, every woman in this church. Let's reset ourselves to be a testimony and a witness for God. Let's reset the families of God. Reset mom and dad. Reset you and your sons and daughters. But as for me and my house, we are going to serve the Lord. Reset your finances. Start paying your tithes and giving offerings. Reset your marriage. Reset your grandchildren. Pray for them every day of their life. Oh, let's just praise him right now. Father, thank you today for the privilege to be in your house. Oh, God. Come on, come on, come on. I want to hear you talk to the Lord today. Hallelujah. Hallelujah, hallelujah. Lord, we glorify you today. God, we magnify the Lord today. God, these people have come to taste and see that the Lord is good, still good. <laughs> God, we've come to church today, God, to reset our lives in Christ, to reset our marriages, to reset our families. Oh, God, don't let one person leave here like they came. God, let us all leave here with a closer walk to you, with you. Let us leave here, God, with a revelation of your glory. Let us leave here, God, being able to say we have been in the presence of the King of glory.